Nolan. Coach. It's Howie Rosen from the Eagles. How you doing, brother? Hey, how you doing, man? You know, I, I, I'm a Florida Gator. Do you know how much this hurts my soul to take all these Georgia Bulldogs? You know? Yeah, been, you want to win, though. You wanna I, I do want to win. I do, do want to win, my man. You're right. I do want to win more than you know. Ugh. Yeah, there was a time when it made sense to draft a bunch of Florida players. Now, not now. It's the Mike Mayock approach. Go draft players from the best team around. Remember, he was doing that with Clemson and Alabama sure, yeah. in in Vegas and Oakland years ago. And now it's uh, Bulldog time in Philadelphia. Plenty of Georgia players snatched by Howie Roseman and company. And, uh, and you know, I think there's also, in a weird sort of way, to the extent that you got guys that maybe need a little positive support system, having teammates around, you know, I think having Nolan Smith there is going to help Jalen Carter. Yeah. I think it will. Definitely. Agreed. And, you know, a little familiarity. It's a big transition. You got a friend there. You got a, a guy there who has had nothing but rave reviews, character, smarts, everything. He can be the example. He can be the support. He can be the friend to help nudge Jalen Carter in the direction that they need to get him to get the most out of his physical abilities. Agreed. I mean, that you got Jordan Davis there, you know, the, the, the top 12 pick from last year, 13, sorry. So he's there. They play the same position. He's going to be able to bring him along. Nicobe Dean, was the the quarterback of that Georgia defense for a lot of years, and I think the leader of that group all together. So he's going to be there, too, to help out. Uh, it's, it's, it's the perfect spot. Fletcher Cox, who's already a, you know, he's a, he's a Hall of Fame defensive tackle. He works hard. He does everything right. He knows about the fabric of Philadelphia and everything that goes into it. He, so he's got, he's got a great spot to develop, learn, not have pressure, have the right people giving them advice, and – I mean, holy crap. I just, that, what can I say? Holy crap what Philadelphia is doing. First off, I got a giggle out of Howie Roseman every time they showed him on the thing. Because I love every time they made the pick, like the whole organization had to come in there and pay homage to King Howie and the great pick he was about to make. I thought that was hilarious. But they should. I mean, it's just, he's killing it. I, I put a tweet out on Friday night, like, stop. Like, I'm a Giants fan, stop. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. It's illegal team building. I'm throwing a flag. Illegal team building. 15-yard penalty. I mean, holy crap. Everybody they got is a difference maker. It's the best roster in football, and they had the best draft in football, and really it's not even close. And they swiped DeAndre Smith, yeah. or Swift, excuse me, yeah. from the Detroit Lions. He clearly became the odd man out once the Lions drafted Jameer, Jameer Gibbs. Gibbs. Right. Swift. <laughs> Out goes Swift because they paid David Montgomery in free agency, got him away from the Bears. So Swift was obviously the odd man out. And the Eagles entered the fray. Number one, he's from Philly. They've known him since he was in high school. He's been in the building before. And as Howie Roseman explained it after they did the trade and all they did, they they dropped 30 spots in round seven and gave up a 2024 fourth-round pick to get DeAndre Swift. Now he's in his contract year. But week one of 2022, this is what Howie pointed out. He tore him up. Eagles won the game by three points, but Swift had 144 rushing yards on 15 carries. They couldn't touch him. They couldn't stop him. And now he's part of that backfield in Philadelphia. They had lost Miles Sanders, 
And that's why we were thinking, well, maybe they'll go be John Robinson. Maybe yeah. they'll do something like that. Maybe they'll draft a guy early because who really stands out? I mean, all due respect to Kenneth Gainwell, but, I, you know, their best running back left. Who's their best running back now? Swift has a chance to be it. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. I mean, that, you know, Gainwell finished strong. You know, yeah, I don't know if he's your every down guy, but then you got Rashad Penny, who has a chance to be something. We know he's on the roster. And then DeAndre Swift, who's like exactly like Rashad Penny. It's like, man, the talent's there. Can they just stay healthy, right? And Penny more so than Swift. Uh, but, yeah, Swift can do it all. And, and to me, he is definitely an upgrade for Miles Sanders. You know, Swift is awesome in the pass game. You know, he's got a little more size than a Miles Sanders. He can run with a little power. And, of course, he's explosive and elusive out in the space. So that's where it'll be great. Uh, just the Eagles, it's, it's incredible what they've done with the roster. It really is. I mean, throughout both sides of the football, they got depth. They got planning for the future. They got everything working there. They really do. You know, even the O-lineman from Alabama at guard. That was one area of the team. You went, oh, man, they can maybe use a little depth or help there for the future. They got that done. You know, they lose Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. They get Sidney Brown, who was my favorite strong safety type in the whole draft out of Illinois. He's one of the crazy Illinois secondary guys to go on with Devin Witherspoon. So I uh, just can't say enough about what they did. It just they're, they're killing it right now and how he's on fire. And – I forgot about Rashad Penny. I mean, he's a boomer bust guy. He is, right? Leg last year, ankle fracture. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a great year. Came on late in 2021 for the Seahawks. But but still, they've got that rotation. They get swift. It just, you're right, it doesn't feel fair. They are clearly the best team right now in the NFC. They were the more talented of the two teams that we saw in the Super Bowl. They did have some turnover this year via free agency. But, boy, it feels like they are reloading for another run and it's it's never easy for the team that goes to the Super Bowl and loses to to try to go back it's just you've got you know you've got the 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 target on you and everyone's out to get you you got tougher schedule bigger games more primetime games more pressure greater expectations but it just it feels like they're doing everything they can to build something sustainable we talk about the Chiefs as the current dynasty Maybe 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 we're going to see Chiefs and Eagles cross paths. I wouldn't just be one shocked. More time. I wouldn't maybe be a shocked. couple more times in the Super Bowl over the next five years. They're not going anywhere either. One of them. I mean, we talked about the Chiefs have one of the youngest teams in football. I mean, so they're 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 here, and we know with fifteen at quarterback, they're they're going to be there. You know, they just got a problem, and right now, like we talked about last week, the AFC is as good as it's been since the seventies. I mean, it's the best I've ever seen the AFC. So that's the problem. And then the NFC, it's just. It kind of seems like it's two teams are king. And it's like, can anybody really compete with those two teams? It doesn't feel like they can. And, you know, I don't know. This this team here, I think, took the mantle as the real king right now in Philadelphia. And, you know, 49ers got a little more work to do there to, to be in that class. The Patriots used to be the kings of the AFC East, the AFC, and the NFL. They have questions about quarterback. They didn't draft one this weekend, so that means they're fully committed to Mac Jones, right? We'll delve into that when PFT Live continues right after this. Aaron Rodgers taking in the New York sports scene. There he is, Friday night, Rangers game at Madison Square Garden. 
getting a little pumped up. And next then, day. Wait, that was Saturday night. Yeah, this and is next Saturday morning. Night. He's back Sunday. He's back the next morning. They flipped it from ice to hardwood. He's there to support the Knicks. The Knicks lost game one, by the way, to the Miami Heat. But And he's a part owner of the Bucks. A little awkward if the Bucks had been playing the Knicks because he owns 3% in the Milwaukee Bucks. Right. And there, was no, there was no chugging of beer that I saw by Aaron Rodgers no. at either event. No attempt at chugging. I used that gift this morning to announce that the show was on because anytime I see him at a basketball game, that's the first thing I think of is inability to be able to chug a beer. Not that I could – but I don't try. See, the things you can't do, why do you think that all of a sudden you can do them? If you can't do it, you can't do it. Yeah. Don't try to do it if you can't. He will be, by the way, at the Kentucky Derby this Wow, week, he's making his rounds. Exclusively on NBC and Peacock. He will be with David Bakhtiari, Randall Cobb, A.J. Hawk, Jimmy Graham, Matt Flynn, Matt Flynn, and Brian Balaga. Matt Flynn, the guy who got paid to go be – the backup to Russell Wilson. Yeah, right. A Matt Flynn sighting. Wow. Uh, anyway, coverage yeah, begins noon Eastern on right. Saturday. I'm, on a, I'm pumped for that. I, I love the Kentucky Derby. I love this time of the year. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Rodgers is he's out and about in New York. There's no doubt about it. He's enjoying the big city lights and the attention. And, man, everybody's excited. Him and Alan Lazard at both of those games you showed, hockey and, it's, it's, and, uh, and the Knicks game yesterday. Man, there was a lot of stars in the crowd for the basketball game yesterday with the Knicks and the Heat. So uh, he was just one of many in that crowd. But, but kind of cool, you know. And we'll say this. Like, I always find it interesting, too. Like the Rangers – you know, typically here in New York, yeah, Rangers, but Rangers really, you know, Jets fans root for the Islanders more than not. Uh, Jets and Islanders work together. It's Jets, Mets, Islanders, right? We put that trash out on the That's island called Long Island, right? We put that trash out there, right? So the real good teams, the Giants, the Yankees, the Rangers, you know, that, those are, they usually stick together. So that, I'm having a little fun, as you could tell here with my Jet fans. Here's where I'm confused, though, because that's one thing I've picked up being around New York the yeah. past 14 years, getting to know people who live up there and where the dividing lines right. are. I've always thought that. Where do the Knicks and the Nets fit into this? I feel like the Nets are just an afterthought. They are. And the Knicks are the one thing that unites the two fan bases. Yeah, well, it's like Jersey. I mean, Jersey's an afterthought up here, right? So the Devils and the Nets are afterthoughts. You know, the Nets are working on it now that they're in Brooklyn and they're becoming more of a, you know, established brand name up here. But, you know, more times than not, yeah, the Knicks are, are king of the city in basketball. So there's a little crossover there. But mainly... Yes, the Giants and the Yankees, those fans are together. It's, you know, whatever, your blue blood crowd. They've had tickets for 100 years, right? The reason the Jets and Mets were brought into town is because people couldn't get Yankees and Giants tickets. So they said, damn, let's invent another damn franchise around here. And that's usually how it goes. And there's, you know, our producer, Pete, he's a confused individual, as you already knew. He's a Mets fan and a Giants fan. He's all messed up, but you knew that. That's not regular up here in this area. Well, in Minnesota, they don't have those issues because there's just one of each major sports team. The Vikings have a franchise quarterback, sort of, a guy who's taken them as far as he can, but they aren't replacing him yet. Here's Kwesi Adolfo Mensah, GM of the team, on whether he's trying to decide whether he wants Kirk Cousins around beyond the 2023 season. Kirk doesn't need to show anything to me. Kirk, Kirk is played football at a high level before I got to the Minnesota Vikings. Last year, we won 13 games. I don't know what he would need to prove to me or anybody else. Um, 
when you go into a contract negotiation, you're trying to come up with solutions together. Um, it's not just what Quasi wants or the Vikings wants or it's even what Kirk wants. What we can do together, it ultimately puts together that Lombardi. And sometimes you come to a place where you decide, hey, let's talk later. Let's let this, this is a solution for now. That's all that's, that's happened. And then this year in this draft, we found an opportunity to get a player that we frankly thought should have been picked long before then and was there just like every other position. Um, but like you said, this is an important position. So obviously you, 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 know, you emphasize that when you can. But you know, we like where we are at the quarterback position, but every option is open to us um, going forward. And we're just really excited about Kirk this year, the weapons we've had in free agency, the weapons we've had in the draft, and we'll see what happens after that. You like it, the Kirk Cousins, Mike? What do you like, eh? I, well, look, I, I think I think he needed a flower when he was <laughs> offering that explanation. He loves him. He loves him not. He loves him. He loves him not. Last July, he made the comment that, hey, we don't have a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen, and it made yeah. people think that they were going to be looking for one. Good luck finding one. And I, I think if they could have gotten up for an Anthony Richardson, it would have been very interesting, but they finished – well enough last year that they were low enough in the draft standings. It just wasn't even a conversation to be had. So Cousins is the guy for now, due to be a free agent next year. He's got plenty of leverage over the situation. But he, he says he wants to stay in Minnesota. We'll see if they can continue this relationship beyond what will be year number six in 2023. Well, I, I, again, if they're ever going to compete for a championship, they got they got to find somebody else. The question is, who do you find that is at least as good as Kirk Cousins? You don't just snap your fingers and a better quarterback shows up. No, that's the thing, right? So build the damn team then. Build the damn team and try to do it that way. You know, you know, it's 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 they can do it. I mean, yes, he's not going to be like, you know, Joe Burrow or Mahomes. You've said that a million times. You're right. He's still really damn good. You can look what he did this year. You know, there, there's a lot of like, like you're saying, the grass is not always greener. Yeah, there's a few that it's greener with. Okay, after that, you start to go, eh, he's just as good, maybe better. I don't know. You know, so, and what I'll say to it too, you know, uh, you know, uh, Kowesi Adapomenza, he's, he came from a place in San Francisco where he knows there was great respect for Kirk Cousins in the building. And then, you know, Kirk Cousins. Coaches like Kevin O'Connell, ex-quarterbacks, offensive game plan designers, they usually like Kirk Cousins because he does exactly what he tells them to do. And then they get him out there in the field and they go, oh, he's got a little more ability than maybe I gave him credit for. So I wouldn't be shocked if you're stuck with your man Kirk Cousins for a few more years. Again, never going to be a superstar, but really damn good and build the team around him and let's see what happens. Something Kevin O'Connell told us in Indianapolis, and he has said publicly since then, he mentioned to it to us off the side, first time since he left Washington that Cousins has the same yes, voice in his ear. That's right. Two straight years. Yeah. And that's a very significant element of the overall calculation for Kevin O'Connell. So we'll see what they do this year. Yeah. Bill Belichick, Mac Jones. The questions continue as to whether or not they are on the same page, whether or not Mac Jones is the guy in New England. Here's Belichick from over the weekend on trade rumors for Mac Jones and how the head coach in New England views the 15th overall pick in the 2021 draft. You know, Mac's been our quarterback for two years. And as I tell the team every year, each player, each coach, you know, we all have to reestablish and prove ourselves every year. That's what this league is. So that's that's for all of us. 2023 is 23 is 23. 
We'll see how 23 goes. You know, he's pressed on this question of max status. It's still not the kind of presumed he's our guy that we would have heard when Tom Brady was there. And that's how I compare everything Bill Belichick says about Mac Jones. I compare it to what he would have said if he was asked the same question about Tom Brady. And he'd scoff at the questions he's getting about Jones if he was getting those questions about Brady. He's clearly on tenuous footing. And this gets back to what I was talking about earlier. It's one of the reasons why I eventually turned off the TV from both channels on Saturday. When you get the drive-by talk radio crowd from the guys who don't cover the NFL every single day, oh, they didn't draft a quarterback, so they're behind Mac Jones. They still have Bailey Zappi. They didn't need to draft a quarterback or not draft a quarterback to resolve the Mac Jones question. They've already made it clear it's Jones versus Zappi. Not drafting a quarterback is irrelevant, Chris, to whether or not it's going to be Jones or whether or not it's going to be Zappi. No, agreed. I don't think it really mattered at all. I, didn't, I mean, drafting a quarterback, I didn't think it was going to be like, oh, we drafted a quarterback. Oh, no, Mac Jones is in trouble this year anyways. Like, I didn't think some, you know, rookie quarterback was going to come in and dethrone Mac Jones. I did not. So you're right. That was, really... one of, that was one of the talking points that made its way up and down one of the desks this yeah, weekend. I mean, and I thought, no. guys, they have Bailey Zappi. Right. He played last year. Right. That's right. And, and, and you know, I think, listen, there's a lot of things. Belichick's tough. You know, I, I like we saw in points of Brady's career, he, he never like threw bouquets at Brady. He was always a little bit like, I mean, we knew he was a starter. I get that. But he never threw just effusive praise at him. That's not the way he works. He ain't going to be that way with a team right now and a quarterback where they didn't get in the playoffs last year. It's going to be tough on everybody. He's going to make it miserable. That's part of the, you know, hot poker in the organization, the locker room, everybody's butt here and going, we got to play better this year. So he's keeping everybody on edge. He is. Yeah, let alone, I mean, I think it's fair to question, like we do. Like, yeah, how much does Belichick, Belichick really love Mac Jones? Sure, I, I don't know. You know, I, I think more or not, Mac Jones was, yeah, Josh McDaniels pick, that prior offensive staff. That was their guy. Now, Belichick stuck with him. I think he likes him, of course. But, yeah, he's just not going to throw out the red carpet for him and let him do whatever he wants. He's going to have to earn it and have a really good spring and training camp and, you know, earn being the guy there in New England. Still, the whole on to Cincinnati mantra was sparked by Albert Breer daring to ask the question of Bill Belichick after the blowout loss on a Monday night 2014 in Kansas City if Tom Brady was safe in his job as the starter the same year the Patriots used a second-round pick on Jimmy yeah, Garoppolo. Right. Isn't that funny how nobody ever lost their mind when the Patriots were using second- and third-round picks on quarterbacks? Nobody ever thought. Well, you couldn't tell Brady anybody. Well, that's because there was never a vibe. Well, there was never a vibe coming from the team that he was in trouble. No, well, I, 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 you couldn't tell anybody he wasn't playing that good then. I was one of those at that time going, he's not really playing very good, guys. You're just They're winning, but he's not doing good. You know, the prior year and why they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo, the AFC championship game against the Broncos, the Broncos just said, we're going to stop the run game. We're not going to even worry about Tom Brady. He had people open everywhere. He couldn't hit anybody. I think that's where they went, damn, maybe it's coming to an end here. So, but then he got a fire in his ass and he proved everybody wrong and shoved it where everybody you know, can eat it for a few years. I don't know what I was trying to say there. I didn't want to say anything bad, but yeah. It's all right. You know, he rebounded and played awesome yes. after that. We know that. And, you know, your comments have an extra level of intrigue for me because you were inside the building 
during that well during that win. I was, and I'm I'm I'll be here to tell you. I mean, he was the year I was there. The year I was the, the, prior to me there, he was the worst down the field thrower in football. A ten plus yards or more, he was the worst in the sport. That's all they were worried about the years I was there. Tom, throw the ball down the field. Tom, throw the ball. Everything was looking for Welker and Edelman, and there was people open everywhere. And he went through a little bit of the politics of the position, whatever. I don't know. But either way, once they lost to Cincinnati, it, like, unleashed him to go, hey, screw everybody, screw the politics of the position. I'm going to start throwing lasers all over the field. And he never looked back, and he was the man from that point on again. It helps take a little air out of the football <laughs> Well, that helped get him jump-started. I know that. Kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Guy, he didn't right. need to. He didn't he, Super Bowl Forty Nine. They were pumped up right. He was throwing hey. lasers everywhere. Hey. <laughs> Pete had told me we were veering off course, so I went even farther. Yeah, that's right. Screw Pete. Reference. Deflategate. <laughs> Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and take a break. But, right. but the whole point is, yeah. the whole point is, football's a meritocracy. You've got to bring it. You've got to deliver. And That's if you right. don't, they're going to eventually find somebody else to do it. You don't get a lifetime pass. You don't get – and Belichick doesn't either. Belichick's on the hot seat low-key in New England this year. I keep going back to what Robert Kraft, the owner of the team, said in Arizona a month ago. Belichick needs to deliver. The players need to deliver. At some point, yeah. big changes are coming to New England if the people there in charge of the football operation and the guys on the field fail to deliver. Oh, by the way – they drafted a kicker and a punter. So they must be feeling pretty good about their positional players. First time since 2000, the Raiders, when they took Sebastian Janikowski round one, that a team drafted both a punter and a kicker in the same draft. Do you remember the name of the punter that was drafted the year with Sebastian Janikowski? I think I know who it was. I do. I think I know who it was. I'm do pretty you? sure. I think I played against him Shane in college. Shane, Shane Leckler, right. Texas A&M, right. So yeah. when I was a, a freshman, yeah. he was at Texas A&M. And, yeah, so I was very aware of the cannon of a right leg he had as far as punting the ball. You know, it's pretty sad when you use a first-round pick on a kicker and you draft Shane Leckler, that those are the two names that resonate from the 2000 draft, although there may be others. They they were great, though. I'm going to go back and look, just out of curiosity. The 2000 Raiders draft, but that stirred up everything when they went round one with a kicker. All right, let's uh, take a break. They've stirred up the odds for offensive and defensive rookie of the year now that the draft is over. We'll look at those when this Monday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Josh McDaniels, the head coach of the Raiders, and Dave Ziegler, the GM, they were having this conversation, sort of the last conversation before they go into the draft room. And McDaniels just says, you know what we need? We need three quarterbacks to go in the top six. At pick seven in round one, three quarterbacks have gone off the board, and here is Tyree Wilson, just falls into their lap. Of all of the 30 visits that the Raiders had, Tyree Wilson wowed them. Peter King, Draft Diary. He was in Las Vegas, Hendersonville, Nevada, to be more accurate. You can read his full breakdown of Draft Weekend at ProFootballTalk.com in his always excellent Football Morning in America column. 61 SEC players taken this year what a shock 
Yeah. Most of any conference. 17th straight year. 55 Big Ten players. Second for the fifth straight year. Yeah, Big Ten's real. Alabama and Georgia each had 10. Do we have we gotten the Big 12? Nobody cares. The Big 12. Oh, 30. 12 that's players. a big year this year. 30. That's a big year. Yeah, I know. I'm going to I'm going to tweet something at Roy Williams, the one that used to play at Oklahoma cuz I said Big 12 sucked uh, during bowl season and he got all bent out of shape and got personal on me. Hey. So, you know, I'm hey. going to show him hey. again. Tyree Wilson. Tyree Wilson, that's seventh right. overall pick. Yeah. Generational pass rusher, <laughs> Texas right. Tech, baby. Right. Yep. Uh, yep. He he did start at the SEC at Texas A and M first before he transferred there. But either way, you're right. You know, Texas Tech freak athlete. Right. He really is. For the Raiders to get him at number seven, uh, it's incredible. You're going to be able to pair him with Max Crosby together for a long time there. And then bring him in slowly right now with Chandler Jones and get him tutored and taught by that guy right there. I mean, that's where it's really perfect. It really is. I mean, you know what a, a fan I am of, of Tyree Wilson. Uh, I think he was by far the best pass rusher in the draft, and uh, they were really, really lucky and fortunate to get him at seven. And of course, that foot injury helped the fact that he was there at seven, too. Now that we know where the incoming rookies will be playing we can take a closer look at the rookie of the year odds let's start with offense and this is no surprise Bijan robinson taken by the falcons eighth overall the favorite at three to one a guy who gets the ball in his hands more often than not a running back can create some stats and do some things and if he's on the field enough to get the ball harder for a receiver easier for a running back quarterback though if you win some games, if you throw for a lot of yards, if you create some excitement, it's hard to overcome that. And there you see Bryce Young at plus 475, roughly 5-1. to one. Th- Those odds don't really surprise me. I am a little surprised Jackson Smith and Jigba is so high at 7-1, to one, tied right. with C.J. Stroud. Right. I think Jameer Gibbs should be a little bit higher. Yeah. Anthony Richardson, if he plays... I think will be spectacular potentially, and right. that would be maybe a good bet at nine to one if you're inclined to make it. Sure, but, hey, nobody knows. Nobody no. knows until we see what these guys do, and and uh, one of those guys or more is going to wow us and uh, become the real favorites when November and December roll around. Well, I you know listen, I like what you said about Anthony Richardson. If you want to take a shot with somebody, that would be the guy. I would think he's playing. He, he can't not play. He's got to play. His biggest problem is he has not played. So you know, fixing that by Letting him not play is not going to make him better in that department. So I, that's where I would imagine, and to your point, Mike, you know they're going to run that Jalen Hurts offense, and yeah, he might be able to put up some stats. And if they can play defense, and we know they got a good defense there too, yeah, that would be one that you got some extra change in the ca- the couch cushions. You take a shot. It's it's hard not to be in love with the Bijan Robinson one because. Like the Falcons, they're they're not. They have an awesome offensive line. They are literally like, hey, we're running the ball. We're going to run the ball, like you know, seventy five percent of the time. They're going to give this ball guy the ball left and right. Had already one of the best offensive lines in football, Mike, and then got one of the best offensive linemen in the draft, and Matthew Bergeron in the second round, who can play guard, maybe tackle. I think he's made to be a big time guard, but. Just wow. I just think between that, the style of play, the O-line, everything they got there, that I, I would certainly bet on B. John Robinson being the rookie offensive rookie of the year. The problem is too many players and only one ball. Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson. That's the only negative for B. John Robinson. How about a long shot for you that you may 
be intrigued by. Yeah. How about Jalen Hyatt at uh-huh. twenty-five to one with the Giants? Yeah. I, right. Yeah. When you consider that that he may get some opportunities and uh, he may get some single coverage, and you know, as you're stacking the box for Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones coming into his own. Maybe if he clicks early for him, he's a guy that su- could surprise people, and that twenty-five to one be a good bet. Agreed. You know, he's got that. You know, he's like Will Fuller is the guy that you know I kind of compared him to throughout the draft process. Fly post routes, go routes. There's not going to be a lot of wiggle or great intricate route running, but man, speed and straight line, watch out. And like you said it right, Mike, Saquon Barkley, come up here. You got to stop it. Oh, you know, Dan- Daniel Jones, the read options. Oh, all of that. Oh, wait, Darren Waller over the middle. Oh, wait, we got to worry about him. He's going to get some very advantageous looks. And Daniel Jones is a very good deep ball thrower. So yeah, another guy that I, you know, down the line, but if you wanted to take a chance on somebody, I hear you there. I don't think that's a crazy thought at all. Pete Demolite is doing his damnedest to move us along since we burned more than an hour on segment one. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll look at the defensive rookie of the year odds. First look, PFT Live, Monday edition, back right after this. You know, this draft set a record for the most trades ever, 43 during the draft. The first trade, Will Anderson, third overall. The Texans got him, and he's the favorite to be the defensive rookie of the year, plus 350. There's Tyree Wilson. We talked about him earlier, 8-1. to one. Jalen Carter, 8-1. to one. Devin Witherspoon, 9-1. to one. Got to get interceptions, though. Yeah, that's You need right. numbers. You need interceptions right. or sacks. That's right. the key. Jalen Carter isn't going to be the defensive rookie of the year unless he is completely and totally dominant and has some sack numbers to prove it. Or if he's so dominant, it's like Aaron Donald, F the play up. Highlights that we see where bodies are just being thrown everywhere and plays are being thrown off kilter right after the snap of the football. It's going to take sacks. It's going to take interceptions, as it usually does, I believe, to win defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, no, yeah, the stats help, definitely, right? Or you just have to be like so, like Sauce Gardner last year. He was shut down. I don't think he had very many interceptions, Mike, right? Right. So where you can be like that. He only had two. Right. Good point. So became became the, the Darrell Revis exactly. right away. So that's no where, and again, that's rare, guy. right? Your, to your point, it usually has to happen your way. But once you start to get an MO of like, wait, this young guy over here is locking people down by himself, then people start to catch on, especially if they're good. So maybe that can happen with a Devin Witherspoon or a Christian Gonzalez, you know, up in New England. We know that he's going to be put in some situations like that as well. Of course, you know, Jalen Carter, you know, you said it right. It's just like, is he going to get to play enough, too, to put those stats up there at first as a rookie, you know, with Fletcher Cox in there and Jordan Davis. And so that'll be, you know, part of the question as well. I'll throw some other ones that I think just popped to me a little bit down the line. Emmanuel Forbes has the the Washington Commanders first round pick. I don't love him as far as playing man to man, but they play a lot of zone there in Washington. They have a great pass rush, and he is extremely fast and has great ball skills. Where you know he set the NCAA record for pick sixes. He's another guy I could see with that pass rush and him sitting back in zones, him accumulating some of those interceptions like you talked about, Mike. I like Joey Porter Jr. at 20 to 1 for a couple of reasons. Number one, name recognition doesn't hurt. Yeah, that's right. Number two, I think Mike Tomlin, the coach of the Steelers, is going to be very invested in getting the absolute most out of Joey Porter Jr., in justifying 
the faith that they had in a local kid, guy who's been around the team his whole life, a guy that Mike Tomlin personally knows, friends with his father. He's not going to want to make it look like, you know, it's a it's a charity case or, you know, we were influenced by the relationship. He's going to put it on himself to get the most out of Joey Porter Jr. I could I, I could envision the conversation where Tomlin pulls Joey Porter Jr. aside into his office, into wherever, and tells him, I'm not going easy on you. No, 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 no. Don't, don't think you, know, you may, you may be happy. Do you got drafted here? You're not going to be happy by the time it's all said and done. I'm going to ride you hard and I'm going to ride somebody I don't know. Favor. I see something in you and my job is to draw it out. Yada, 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 yada. I just think he could end up being great right away. And we're going to notice him. You got to get noticed. You're already noticing the guy because of who he is. So that's an advantage he has built in. But I just think at Pittsburgh, being coached by Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin taking him under his wing, that's going to make him better. It ultimately comes down to how he plays, but I think the circumstances make him an intriguing pick for me, especially at 20-1. to 1. Yeah, no, I, I hear you there. You're, you're, you're right about that. You know, he, The name recognition has a style of play that I think really fits the, the Steelers as well. Right, he's physical. It's it's part of their mantra, and I think you're right with Mike Tomlin. I mean, nobody's going to get an easy pass up there, especially the young guys. That's that's the one thing Mike Tomlin. He's a molder of young men or men in general. That's where he's great. So I agree with you there. He ain't going to give Joey Porter Jr. any free passes, and I don't think Joey Porter Sr. would want it any other way from the coaches of Steelers. So I think that'll go, you know, uh, just as it's supposed to go. Tyree Wilson, of course, is another one that jumps out to me. Yeah, I mean, if he's healthy, you know, then playing in the AFC West with those quarterbacks and the way people throw the ball so much, yeah, he's another guy I look at. I know he's at the top of the uh, the line here at plus eight hundred, but uh, for, for me and and uh, that defense and what he can bring as a pass rusher, he certainly could be thrown into that conversation too. All right, let's take a break because when we return, we're going to have our draft for Monday. The biggest winners of the 2023 draft. And we're also going to apply draft grades to every single franchise. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. <laughs> hey, buddy. How's it going? Hey, it's going good. This is Dad. My phone wasn't working. Look at here, man. You want to come to work with me next week? <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> <laughs> Stopwatch here, <laughs> and it just went with what he knows. In turn, he's going to be a great football player. Oh yeah, there's his dad on the line. That's yeah, awesome. Look, at him. look how emotional he is. That's amazing. Can you imagine you spend your whole life in football, and your your son is drafted to your team? Great one there. Great Amazing. one there. Chris Vaughn, assistant director of college scouting for the Dallas Cowboys. They drafted Kansas State running back. Deuce Vaughn. What a tough evaluation that's got to be, though. Seriously. When you know the connections there, you're human, just like best available player versus need. You know. You know the connection. But, you know, it's a positive, I think, right? Yes. That transition to a new life, new town, new everything. You've got to build an advantage there where he's going to be more comfortable. And if there's any issue whatsoever, if Mike McCarthy or the position coach, anyone has a concern, tell dad. And yeah, dad will make sure Deuce knows what's what. Right. That's right. Yeah. It's, it is. It's, it's very safe that way. You know the dad, too. 
So you know what makes the young man and why you why you want him on your football team too. You've seen the dad and the way he, you know, you know, acts and works and everything like that. So that makes you even feel better. The player's damn good, Mike. I mean, he's just small. He's five six, right? But when you watch him, I mean, he runs and he doesn't know he's five six. He runs with power. He can make people miss. So he belonged in the NFL. That's a really cool story. Very very happy for the uh, the Vaughn family there. Nothing wrong with a small running back, Darren Sproles type. Harder That's to right. see him, harder K-State. to tackle him. That's right. Low I, center I had of a gravity. deal with Darren Sproles. Very Sproles low in center of gravity. Yeah, that's right. He was damn good. Yeah. All right, biggest winners of the 2023 draft. Today's draft. Go. Well, I mean, come on. I mean, what? We know who won the draft. That's the Philadelphia Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. We're going to dominate the next freaking decade, the Eagles. That's what they're going to do, but... To get the best player in draft at nine, to get what I would say the second best natural pass rusher in the draft than Nolan Smith at 30, I mean, are you kidding me? Uh, it's just, it's insane what they did. And then, yes, to pull off the DeAndre Swift trade, but get a guard that's going to probably be a starter or depth. And we talked about Sidney Brown, the safety from Illinois, who's a hell of a football player. You get a Georgia corner, Kelly, Kelly Ring, Keely Ringo, who's a big corner who ran 4 3 9. Uh, I just you can't say enough about what they did in there in Philadelphia. They won the draft. I'm going to go with the Houston Texans just because they've been so dysfunctional for so long. Yeah. And they just needed something to turn the page. And to their credit, look, I think in hindsight we can say with some degree of confidence that all that crap about C.J. Stroud was aimed initially at knocking the the Texans wobbly and getting them to not take him. And it didn't work. They were resolute. They held firm. They went with C.J. Stroud, even though I think others out there wanted him to fall so they could draft him or trade up to draft him. They didn't give in. They trade up to get Will Anderson. And it just creates a different vibe right away. That blue helmet looks different. That uniform looks different. Everything about the Texans feels different. And they had the draft assets they could use because of the Deshaun Watson trade, which ended up being a win-win. One of the narratives floating around, oh, they're not going to mess with C.J. Stroud. He's represented by the same guy who represents Deshaun Watson. Hey, they came out of the Watson situation with a bunch of extra stuff that they could use to finally get the players they need to move forward the way they want to. Yeah, no, it was. That was a big-time draft, big-time move there to start the draft. And Like we kind of said at the start of the show, yeah, it just changes the outlook of your organization altogether. And sometimes it's that type of bold move that needs to be done to, to kind of change that vibe. And, yeah, that's some bold moves. D'Amico Ryan's hiring him first. And, you know, now what they do at pick two and three uh, certainly makes you think about them differently. Like, Big-time credit for them uh, for what they did in the draft. I'm with you, Mike, there. It's a good pick. Uh, I think the next one, I'm going to go to Seattle. Seattle Seahawks. You know, one, my man crush, Devin Witherspoon, at pick number five. Right. But then I think Jackson Smith and Jigba at 20, you know, one, he, yeah, not my favorite, but if there's a spot to land in, okay, that's the spot for D- Jackson Smith and Jigba. You know, yes, you got those receivers on the outside. Now you got him working the middle. Holy cow. Their other second round pick, Derek Hall. Mike, you know, again, this is where Derek Hall, 
Wow. I mean, outside linebacker, defensive end from Auburn. The, the, see, there was things about him and his pass rush ability that I liked more than Will Anderson. That's why I wasn't big on Will Anderson. But I love that. The running back Charbonnet from UCLA got another guard. I mean, they, they had a really good draft, Seattle, to build their team and help them right now. Pete Carroll, the coach of the Seahawks, was talking on Saturday to reporters about this idea that they look for guys with a chip on their shoulder, and it's just another subset of the overall scouting, but they want guys that are going in there ready to compete, kind of feeling like they've been overlooked, they've been disregarded, and that they have something to prove. You get enough guys like that on your team with something to prove, you're going to win a lot of football games. That's right. Because they're going to play that way too. I'm going to go with the Colts here just because we've seen them ricochet around Aging veteran to aging veteran after the Andrew Luck retirement caught everyone by surprise in 2019, late August, boom, then it happened, and it was Jacoby Brissett, it was Phillip Rivers, it was Carson Wentz, it was Matt Ryan, and what do they do? i got to give them credit. If you're going to be wrong, be wrong by commission, not omission. Don't pass on the superstar. Go get him. And see what happens. Because if it doesn't work out, and maybe this is why they're in that mindset. You know what? We've we've had a lot of veterans that haven't worked out. We, we know how to deal with quarterbacks that don't work out. Let's get a young guy. And we'll take the chance that maybe he won't work out. But the upside, he's a guy we've never seen before in Anthony Richardson. He's got skills that could make him a shortlist franchise quarterback. I like that the Colts, after all this crap they've been through, they take the guy that I really do think they would have taken if they'd had the number one overall pick, Chris. Yeah, I, I, I don't doubt that. You know, I, I don't. And, and, you know, good for them. They believed in the guy and they believe in what he can do and how they can formulate an offense around him. So I'm all for that. You know, that was a big time move. You're right. You know, a little bit like we were talking about Houston. You need something to kind of jumpstart the organization, get it over the top, whatever it is. That move does that. I like the rest of the damn draft, too. Julius Brents, their second round pick. He's a Seattle defense corner, Seattle three, right? That's He's a Richard Sherman type of guy. Really long, press, bail, get out. They got a slot receiver. Blake Freeland, their fourth-round pick, the tackle from BYU. He's a starting caliber tackle, Mike. You know, And then they got the freak out of Tomoa Adabare from Northwestern, who was the combine freak, who can play D-tackle, D-end, and just be a chaos you know, creator that way. So, yeah, uh, again, I think you and I, we're both pretty pretty big fans of uh, what the Colts and, and Chris Ballard are doing, and they had a very good draft. Let's take a break. We'll do round three, plus our exclusive draft grades for all teams before the show wraps. We'll be back. <laughs> You're funny. All right, biggest winners of the 2023 draft. Two rounds down, one round to go. Christopher, you're up. I'll give Green Bay some love here, Mike. Green Bay, you know, I love Lucas Van Ness. They're a team that we've talked about. They need to get bigger and more physical on the defensive line. That helps address that. You know, And then they got two big, really athletic tight ends who I think can be instant contributors to that that department of their football team and Luke Musgrave and Tucker Kraft. Jaden Reed, a little slot receiver out of Michigan State. Damn, he's a good player. So they had a good draft, Mike. There's a few other guys I'll throw in there, but we'll save that for another time. Who you got in your third round? I'm going to continue the AFC South vibe. It's a division where they're all chasing the Jaguars and the three teams, not the Jaguars, 
came out of it pretty good. If the Titans are going to get Will Levis yeah. at the top of round two when right. they would have taken him at number 11, but a left tackle fell into their laps, and they're getting Will Levis at a lot less than what they paid him than what they would have paid him at that amount. Of course, they're going to pay Skaronsky that money. The Titans come out of it laying the foundation yep. for a brighter future as they get ready to build a stadium. They went from the one seed to out of the playoffs. Now they can turn it around. By the way, all draft grades incomplete. <laughs> all 32 exclusive incomplete. See ya.